Welcome to the Reminders of Grace podcast. The Reminders of Grace podcast exists to provide a reference for truth, promote a refocus on the gospel, and provoke a profound reminder of grace for our lives today. I am your host, my name is Derek, and I want to welcome you to the show. Last episode, we mentioned that we were going to begin to turn a corner with regards to the topics discussed here on the podcast. We moved forward from a foundational series into a building series upon that foundation. We jumped right in with an examination of political Christianity versus gospel-centered citizenship. And if you haven't had a chance to check out that episode, I would encourage you to give it a listen as you are able. Well, today we have another topic that has become monumental in our society. I will venture to purport that it should be that way. Now, this is a place that you can come to find a reference for truth. So still be sure that even within this conversation that you'll find it. So if you're of the persuasion that this topic is talked about too much, that a bigger deal is made about it than it needs to be, I can respect that opinion. If you believe that it's not addressed enough, that it's not brought into enough conversation, that not enough discussion is being had regarding this, I can respect that opinion too. The reality is that when it comes to this subject of race, we've stopped trying to live in a proper balance. Oftentimes we've stopped learning because we stopped listening. We stopped caring because we stopped communicating. We stopped growing because we stopped reminding ourselves of the grace we've been given and the grace we need to give. Over the next few episodes, I want us to be able to get back to some of these things together. And we have much to cover, so let's begin. I think the best place for us to start is by establishing a framework within which to hold this conversation. And for the Reminders of Grace podcast, that means starting with one thing and in one place, the written word of God. What does God have to say about this subject of race? Where is God silent? Because we don't want to speak for the all-powerful creator of all things and say, you meant this, when he never actually told us that. But we also for sure do not want to be silent where God has clearly spoken either. So where do we first encounter this idea of race? Where is the first time in the history of the created order that we come across this reality, not just of race, but of different races? To get there, we have to take a look at humanity humanity in its origin. The intricacies and creativity of the eternal God exploded on the scene through mere and seemingly mundane words from his mouth. With a word, he brought every single thing into existence. The sun, a word. Millions of galaxies and billions of stars that make up those galaxies, a word. 
the sea in its unfathomable depths a word the land that we call earth a word all of the animals plants and everything a word and then something changed after having created everything with a word we come to his masterpiece the greeks call it poema aaron burr would call it the piece de resistance humans separate from the rest of creation man was created not with a word but with god's hands distinct and above all other creation man was created not as merely a singular thing but as a reflection and in the likeness of god himself genesis 1:27 says let us God says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And here's what's important. God never one time mentioned what the first humans looked like as far as race or ethnicity. But maybe that was by design. Maybe the main message to be driven home is that humanity, every single person that has ever lived or ever will live and die on planet Earth, was and is created expressly in the image of God. The weight and the worth is placed on life, not on color, shades, backgrounds, or anything else. When we get this right... When we get this right, we align with exactly what God intended for us from the very beginning. The idea is that there is not to be an unrealistic division. But something important to consider is this. The absence of division does not imply the absence of differences just because a priority was placed on life, regardless of color, shades, or backgrounds, doesn't mean that all life was void of differences of color, shades, or backgrounds. And I want to take some time and circle back to this later, but for now we're going to move on. Throughout the biblical narrative, we are introduced to peoples and nations from all over. Well, really, up until the 11th chapter of the book of Genesis, pretty much everyone was in one centralized location. Well, after the confusion of languages, people scattered. Nations were formed, people groups were united, and time marched on. Well, through marriages, through travel, through conquests, this reality that we have come to understand as race and ethnicity really began to become more formed. Even within the nation of God's people, the Hebrews or the Israelites or the Jewish people, as they are known throughout the Bible, this took place even there. This would indicate that not even everyone looked the same. People groups would have had various skin tones and colors and backgrounds. And for all these reasons, God remained silent. When Joseph, a Hebrew, married Asenath, an Egyptian, God said nothing about race. When Judah, a Hebrew, married Shuha and then later married Tamar, both Canaanites, God said nothing about their ethnic differences. When Moses, a Hebrew, married an unnamed woman from Cush, God remained silent about the differences in ethnicity. Rahab from Jericho in Canaan married a Hebrew, 
Boaz, a Hebrew, married Ruth, a woman from Moab. King Solomon writes his songs, an entire book of the Bible about his relationship to his Shulamite bride, a woman he would describe as colored. For all these things, God was silent on the matter of skin color. He blessed these unions. He never once pointed out division or distinctions regarding race, color, shades, or background. No indication is given that all these people looked exactly the same either. In fact, it's just far more likely that they all look different than each other. But to God, that didn't matter. Because each person individually bears his image. There's not just a singular chosen people group or race that bears his image. All of humanity in its entirety and in its specificity bears the image of God. We've established that there are races. There are various ethnicities. There are even examples of God blessing the marital unifying of these people from all of these various people groups. But the idea of race being the dividing factor, the idea of ethnic differences being the means by which boundaries of division were set between these people groups is contrasted by God's silence. It's corrected in that God only wanted his people Israel to stay within the confines of their people group solely and exclusively for the sake of worship. Because I think sometimes that's a, an argument that is brought up, that God told his people Israel to only engage in relationships, especially for marriage within their people group. But he expressly said that it was for the sake of worship because he knew that other nations worshipped other gods and as was often proven, they would draw his people's attentions and affections away from him rather than the other way around. So rather than the Jewish people, rather than the Hebrews marrying other nations and other people groups and turning their attentions to the one true God, what God knew was that those nations were going to turn his people's attentions and affections away from him. And that was actually true because the Israelites would often chase after other gods and they would often go after idols time and time again. We see this throughout the remainder of the Old Testament. But this is really where we break off and we examine what Jesus and the New Testament writers had to say about race. And by this time, as is often the case with people, division came. Pride made people desire power, and power brought problems, and people then divided over race. They divided over ethnicity, and they divided over culture. Specifically and prominently throughout the pages of the New Testament, the Jewish people would look at others as less than themselves. There were Gentiles, which was really anyone and everyone that wasn't Jewish. And they were looked at in disgrace. But there was another group of people that they looked at and treated even worse. The Samaritans were half Jewish and half Gentile. The Jewish people considered them half-breeds. They were despised. They were rejected. They were seen as unfit, unworthy, and undeserving. Jewish people would avoid Samaritans. 
They would refuse to do business with them. They would refuse to share a meal with them. They would even go so far as to avoid the region in which they lived, simply to avoid getting the dust of the road on their feet. And this was an apex of racial and ethnic division within the biblical narrative. But again, this was never what or how God intended it to be. And Jesus came to prove that. Throughout his time teaching and touching lives, Jesus proved that it makes no difference who you are or where you come from or what your background is or what you look like. He is the great unifier. His gospel is the only thing that can and will bring lasting difference in our lives. Jesus proved this by interacting with all the people groups that many steeped Jewish traditional people would have avoided at all costs. This meant Jesus interacted personally and intimately with Gentiles. This means that Jesus interacted personally with tax collectors. This meant Jesus interacted with the physically destitute, the spiritually despondent, and even the mentally deranged. This meant the poor people. This meant notable and public sinners. This meant even on at least one memorable occasion, as we'll examine next episode, Samaritans. Jesus proved that he was bigger than the lines of division that people drew to separate races and ethnicities. He was bigger than that. He proved time and time again that he was the only one who could be bigger than it. Who could do that. And that his gospel was the only thing that would do it. After Jesus died and was raised to life, never to die again, he ascended into heaven, waiting for the appointed time for him to return to judge the world and usher in his eternal kingdom. Well, following his departure into heaven, the following pages of the written word stand in defense of this truth over and over again. Paul would emphasize on multiple occasions as he writes letters to churches and to Christians and to people in the New Testament, Paul would emphasize on multiple occasions that because of Jesus, that in Christ there is no difference. And here's where some nuance can easily get confused as we circle back to what we said earlier about differences and division. What Jesus lived, what he said, and what he proved What the writers of the letters of the New Testament emphasized over and over was the important, unavoidable reality. And if you've gotten nothing so far, please lean in and get this. That the differences that make up people do not make a single one of them better, more important, more valuable, more loved, or more worthy than another. The differences do not present a division of higher or lower. And the failure to understand this, the failure to believe this, the failure to practice this, is where racism comes from. Racism is an ancient, toxic, sinful worldview and practice that has very much endured the ages because individuals, because people groups, have failed to understand this truth. And what God says is that in Christ, that better or worse, higher or lower, that distinction does not exist. 
in Christ, no one is better and no one is worse. Jew, Gentile, Samaritan, enslaved or free, old or young, male or female, rich or poor, there is no difference in Christ. In Christ, Jesus is greater than all of those differences. Those differences do not make anyone better or worse. It does not mean that there are not differences between us. What it means is that in Christ, because of Jesus, those differences are not our primary identity. Those differences also certainly are not markers of positional importance. Every single follower of Jesus, every single person that has been made alive by his grace and has received his salvation at the revelation of Jesus Christ as the King of kings and Lord of lords, as the Lamb slain and the only one worthy to sit on the throne, every single one of them will kneel before him in worship, in reverence, and in celebration. And here's what he says. From every tribe, from every nation, from every people, and from every language. So someone says something like, and maybe you've heard it, I know I have countless times, I don't see color. Or God doesn't see race. But that's not what he said. When he described the eternal scene unfolding around his throne, he mentioned that it would be comprised of people from different places with different skin tones, representative of a variety of races and ethnicities, speaking different languages. The differences won't go away, but the only thing that will matter is the king of the ages. Now know this. That God is not accepting or rejecting of you based on race. That's the argument that we've really made. And that's the argument that I believe Jesus came to defend, is that God is not accepting or rejecting of you based on your race. To know that Jesus is not the savior of just white people, but of all people. Knowing that the gospel is, it's not an American thing. It's a God thing. So living in community with and in connection to a world of his image bearers from all over requires that we be reminded that his grace is for you specifically, for who you are, for where you are, and as you are today. Remember, of all the things in the universe that he has created, humankind is the only creation that God took the time to make with his hands. And despite what anyone in this world would tell you of your value and your worth based on your skin color, shade, or background, simply in the fact that God made you with his hands, Simply in that alone, God screamed that you are worth everything. But not because of you, but because of him. My hope is that this episode has been a help to you in some way. A reminder of the grace that we have been given and the grace that we need to give. 
maybe this is a challenge to you to engage in a safe and a gracious conversation with someone who doesn't look like you and talk about this subject. Listen to each other. Communicate compassionately. I can tell you this. There are numerous people in my life that also would echo how seriously I mean this. If you ever want to talk about this with me, I am always willing. Always. So let's talk. And on our next episode, we'll continue this conversation of race and continue looking at it from a biblical perspective and see what it looks like in our lives today. So thank you so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed today's episode, tell me about it. You can connect with me at remindersofgracepodcast at gmail.com. That's reminders with an S of gracepodcast at gmail.com. Also, please, please do me a favor and be sure to leave a review and click on that subscribe or follow button wherever you engage with the podcast to be certain that you never miss an episode. And as you head into your week, as you navigate through your journey, as you face whatever you face, or as you seek to live on mission, be reminded of his grace and know that no matter what, it is always, every single time, greater still.